call me L, you can call me Ed, you just, just fucking call me, why don't you? Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and we welcome you to a very special edition of the show where we brought in a bunch of fans to talk about their experiences with Pearl Jam 20, and we wanted to do this because we have both of these episodes kind of coming in uh, week after week here. Night one came in last week, and night two is coming up in a couple of days, so we wanted to kind of get the experiences because I was at the show, I brought some friends along at the show where I should say they brought me and we wanted to tell some story with those people and we wanted to add some of the friends of the podcast in to tell their stories as well because this is such an important weekend for people in Pearl Jam's history that there's not just one story to be told. There's so much to be talked about and uh, that's what we did here. So if you like Pearl Jam fans talking about their fandom for Pearl Jam then you might like this. So we're just going to pump right into it, and uh, hopefully y'all enjoy. Steve, I told I told a bunch of the stories on the episode already, but I think we need to, we need to see your side of the story here. So where does it happier. all... Where does it all <laughs> Be happier. <laughs> Wait, Randy, were your, were your stories not happy? I mean, they weren't. Well, <laughs> I wasn't trying not to be. It was. It was hard. Night one was really hard not to come off negatively. Really, really hard. Really, Just, see, I, I, my memories are are completely. I, I had a great time. I had a great time. I'm not saying I didn't have a great time. I'm just I, like there's a lot that happened. I think so, once you take that spill, right? Yeah, uh, that was bad. You weren't with me for the. You, do you remember that? I I, I kind of remember it happening. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, all right. So I mean, if you if you want to start at the beginning, I mean, I, I like to me the sour, the most sour part of the whole experience was just as always the the ticket buying purchase. Yeah. Uh, or process. I mean to say, excuse me uh god that was a that was a nightmare it, it took like it had to take five or six hours i think to get like to finally get through and actually get tickets like i lost uh like fortunately i was at a place in my job where i could work from home uh so i didn't have to technically take the day off but like i was i didn't really get any work done that day because i was trying to get um i was trying to get uh tickets and was that a refresh the website situation that was an f5er yeah absolutely yeah i actually preferred those man because i yeah i had jobs that yeah gotcha (laughs) (laughs) it was uh it was like you know you're checking the board uh to find out you know who's are, are is it sold out like should i even bother keep to keep trying and like people were dropping out and saying it was sold out and it was done it was done and for whatever reason i just i just kept trying and finally made it through uh you know hours and hours after after we we uh the process started and randy i think were you were you trying two is that what it was and then i was just the one that got them no. is that right? or was it the other no. way around i i think you were trying and i was just picking the piggybacking off your coattails i i at okay. the time just considered myself to be too new to the 10 club to really give anything a chance so i I, I just like you get everything you got the msg tickets that that you gave to me so i i was like yeah shit okay you do it (laughs) so um big leech at the time yeah and i like uh, that you know that though like you you do it i'm too new (laughs) oh yeah of course uh but yeah and i mean so that was you know that was infuriating and uh but by the time we actually went to the show, you know, however many months it was later, like, you know, that had all, you know, that amnesia sets, you know, sets in when you're ready to actually start seeing the show. And I think the other thing that, the other thing that might've helped me too was um, I was, I think if I remember correctly, I think I was more into the other bands 
that were there like throughout the day. Like I, like I'm a huge, uh, um, Glenn Hansard fan and I was really excited to see, um, uh, I, I was moderately excited to see Joseph Arthur. Uh, and then, um, I was really, really excited to see the new number two. Uh, so like seeing all that stuff was, uh, like had me incredibly pumped and like, just like raring to go, um, even like that would have been amazing even without Pearl Jam is what I'm trying to say. So, um, like I was, I was, if I remember correctly and please correct me if I'm wrong, Randy, but I think I was more excited about the whole, um, the whole landscape of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then you were, you were kind of there mostly for, mostly for Pearl Jam. Yeah. I I mean, like I really wanted to see Queens of the Stone Age and the Strokes too, but I remember, Day, I mean, day one, there really wasn't much on the side stage. There was a little bit. I think like Liam Finn played a set from what that's I that's right. I forgot Liam. Oh my god, I totally forgot Liam Finn was there. Yeah, I'm a, I was I'm a huge Liam Finn fan as well. Um, or it was at the time I haven't listened to, to him too much lately, but I was really into his album that had come out uh not too long before that. Um, so yeah, uh, the whole festival or whatever you want to call it was uh, was you know, super exciting to me. What about night, uh, that, that, that day, the night one day, I like, you know, the day before we get in, cause obviously you never fly in on a show day. <laughs> we go to Chicago, we go to Wrigley, fuck it's fucking hot. So we do something I never did at the time we build in the middle of a baseball game. Yeah. Here's, here's what I remember about, about Wrigley. Uh, like the, the, the game was fun. Of course. Um, if I remember correctly, the Cubs, played awfully but uh we we got we got there and uh for those everybody else who's on the call uh can tell that i am uh you know follically challenged and uh <laughs> i did not have the foresight uh or actually i guess it was probably partly because we had to we had to fly and you we could you couldn't bring any like lotions or whatever so we didn't bring sunscreen so <laughs> i went to the gifts shop thing at Wrigley to ask if they had a sunscreen and it was like a half an ounce bottle for like $30. <laughs> I was like, uh, how much is, how much is the hat? And she was like 25. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll take the hat. <laughs> I don't seem to remember any of that. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't. So, <laughs> Uh, so that's how I have, that's how I wound up. I, I am 90% sure I still have that Cubs hat somewhere. Uh, um, yeah, because it was, it was actually cheaper than the like one time use sunscreen. <laughs> so, and then we, we went, uh, and, and watched the game and had a great time. We had really good seats in the bleachers. Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun. And then that night I, I like, I'm, you know, details are probably fuzzy and, you know, we don't have to go through all of them, but like yeah. that night was the, we went to like the burger place. And I can't remember if we did anything else that night, if we I, crashed early. Oh, you know what we did? We, uh, this is something I actually didn't mention on the episode. We drove to go to the will call to, to get the tickets You're right. and yep. at the will call, they had the, what would be the first vault CD, the yes. uh, Seattle, um more theater show yep yep that's right uh and then uh and when we went to the burger place i think i think did we we met did we meet sabelle there i think yeah i think we met her either at the hotel or at the yeah but like she was part of the journey after that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so and the, the the burger place was awesome uh I wish we could give props to them. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, it, was, it was it was really good. Uh, and then that was that was pretty much it for for that first day and night. I think. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I, I definitely saw that there were potato pancakes on the menu, and yep. <laughs> and asked if they were. Yeah, lot- I said, "Oh, you guys have latkes. That, that's great." Yeah. I don't know any fucking better. They're like, "No, I, I don't believe we do." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jew in the Midwest. That was, that was very confusing for the Midwestern uh, population, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do remember that now. Let's see. You know, I, I can't even remember 
if and anybody can chime in on this, like what the weather report was for that day. If the day before people kind of knew that like it was kind of going to storm or what was going to happen, but I feel like it was impending. Rain was in the forecast. Yeah. Cause I remember being like someone were like, Oh, do you have seats? I'm like, no, I was, I have lawn on Saturday. And they're like, it's supposed to storm like all day. Yeah. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. whatever. It's a kind you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, that kind of look, I think that's where we have to give Sabelle a lot of credit here. Cause she, dr- she dragged us to Walmart to go get yeah. ponchos yes, and did. That's right. oh whatever God. else. Like, I, I don't you know, it's probably sunscreen after your fiasco, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, just, you know, I, 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 I have always called her a Pearl Jam mom. I don't know yeah. if you have, uh, but um, you guys are more the same I, age. Yeah, but... we're, we're, we're much closer to any age. <laughs> so I don't think I was quite the, uh, <laughs> But yeah, Pearl Jam's sister, maybe for sure. But. There you go. That <laughs> yeah. works. I, and I, I want to say Pearl Jam's sister at first, but p- people don't use that phrasing a- yeah. as much. It's more right. popularized to be called a Pearl Jam mom. But um, yeah, uh, Sabelle brought up, and I don't seem to remember this, the, the guns in Walmart. Do you remember oh, yeah. the guns in Walmart? I, um, should, I should remember it, but like that seemed, I, I remember it happening. I don't have a visual memory of it. Let's just say that. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember it because I remember I remember talking about how um, uh, when I used when I was in college, I worked for Kmart and I worked in the sporting goods store. I think I sporting goods the section. Story. I should I should say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and there were um, I was allowed to. I remember telling you guys how I was allowed to like uh, like fill out the paperwork, but I wasn't allowed to sign anything for for selling guns. <laughs> And, uh, and I was like, and I was like, like 18 and a moron. And the, like, they're like, like, if you, so if you want to have like, like trace back, like gun problems, like I, I definitely should not have been the one doing anything at all. I shouldn't have been doing the fishing licenses for crying out loud, <laughs> much less the guns. Uh, and I remember, I definitely remember talking to you guys about that, uh, how that was just completely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, and Sabelle brought up that there was something that happened in Walmart that was apparently became a huge running joke for the day. And I don't remember what it was, something with people that like walked out of Walmart really like grumpy or something like that. Do you remember that? Oh, God, I walked out of Walmart grumpy. Because we took a picture either later that day or the next day and we made like a grumpy face, kind of like the guy that was at Walmart. <laughs> Oh man, I don't, I, that I don't remember at all. Yeah, fuzzy details on it, but yeah. <laughs> so I, what I do remember though is I remember not going anywhere for hours, and you know, probably noon, one, two, three o'clock comes along, and we're not we're not leaving the hotel. We're just kind of sitting around, and I believe at one point you even. You know, I, I don't even think you were on Facebook that much, but you put out on Facebook, you were like, I, I can't I can't stand being in, in this hotel room watching college football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, I remember um, uh, we were kind of waiting to see because, uh, again, there was that, that weather um, uh, sort of like scare or whatever you want to call it like they're like impending weather or whatever so i remember kind of waiting around to see uh you know what was going to happen with that and we kind of just hanging out and and just waiting around and that drove us a little crazy but there was also not like nothing else to do (laughs) (laughs) in the in the the area so it was like i don't think there was uh, anything else period in the area right exactly so yeah there was it was kind of just hang out and wait or like drive because i think i think the other thing too was we thought if i remember correctly we thought we were going to be closer to uh either milwaukee or madison so right I we think weren't we th- anywhere near i think we thought we were going to be able to do something like in a in a, a, a civilization Actual, right <laughs> and that just we were in a not. place called delavan yeah oh no you dude you know i you know what i did i went to the gym did you really? Yeah, I bought the one-day gym pass. 
I don't remember that. Yes, yes. You, <laughs> when you said when you said Delavan, I remembered because I followed them on Facebook for a while. Uh, <laughs> the gym, I, I, I that's what it was. I was I eventually, yes, I eventually got so stir crazy that I was like, I, I need to do something. And I went and I found a gym and I bought I bought a one day membership for 10 bucks and I worked out at the gym. Uh, yeah, no memory of that at all. Wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool. The gym was, the gym was ginormous. Uh, and yeah, they, they let me work out there for like, again, like I said, 10 bucks and, uh, yeah, it was cool. They had everything I needed. I watched, uh, I think we also had like three channels in our room, if I remember correctly too. So I, I had to watch like, like other, other TV while I, uh, while I worked out and then I came back, uh, and I think, it was. It wasn't long after I got back that we finally we finally actually went over to the to the venue. Yeah, it was still raining a little bit by the time we left, and it you know things had gotten delayed, but things were looking in the forecast like they were about to clear up. I'm curious wh- where everybody else was staying for this, where because Delvan was probably like a little less than an hour, probably 45 minutes away, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't a short ride, but that could just be no. my memory, you know, and, and being stuck in the parking lot for most of the time. Right. <laughs> you know, it, was, it, was, fucking... it was pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. That lot is huge. Yes. And you never it's so it. massive. Yeah. Where was everybody else staying? We drove this? up from Chicago. Well, I'm from I Milwaukee. feel like it was only like a half hour. Yeah. Sorry. How far is Milwaukee? Well, it's, I would say, 30, 35 minutes. Oh, okay. Um, depending on where you hit traffic on 43. But my sister at the time was actually living in East Troy, where Alpine is. So I actually just stayed at her place. It was like five minutes, not even. Nice. Not nice. Bad. Yeah, that's actually, that's, the, hey, yeah. not every situation. I mean, it was, gr- it was perfect, too. She was out of town. Oh, so. For Labor Day weekend anyway, so uh, nice. it was yeah. great. Nice, very nice. Anybody yeah. where I remember I yeah. Oh. God, no, you go. Oh, uh, I was gonna say uh I just remember I stayed somewhere outside of Milwaukee. So what normally would have been about, you know, like a half an hour away, um, but because of all the traffic and weather and everything, I remember after the show, and then of course everybody knows about the terrible parking lot. So I don't think I got back to the hotel until like two in the morning or something like that, just because oh. it's so hard to get out of the parking lot and everything. Yeah. And I had hit traffic on the way in because I came in that day. And so I didn't even get a chance to check in before the concert because I was, didn't want to be late. And going through Chicago, that was a madhouse. And then, you know, going further north, that was not the best. And then I was just like, I got to go straight to the show. I, I don't have time to go to the hotel and check in first. So I didn't even get to my check into my hotel until, yeah, like it's like two in the morning or something, but... Mm-hmm. It was like a small little motel or something. Yeah. See, you're you're close enough where you were able to drive the whole way, right? Probably like three, <laughs> yeah. three, four hours. Yeah, for me it's about yeah, between two and a half and three, depending okay. on, you know, like they said, traffic and stuff. Okay. Now, Nick, I'm gonna guess that Nick and, and Tanya and Anthony, you you guys probably all flew flew in, right? Yeah, I know, um my ex's brother lived in Chicago, so we flew in, I think two days before, stayed with him. And he's a, uh, we're both University of Michigan grads. The plan was to watch that game and it got way delayed. So we were going to leave later, but I remember we watched some of the game and that got rained and delayed. So we just left from Chicago. So I got there, like, I don't remember any of the rain, to be honest, at all. Like, I, I saw Glenn set, but I don't, like, I got there and you could tell everyone had gone through some shit. <laughs> but like, I was like, you oh, that. What, what happened? <laughs> What happened? <laughs> I was oblivious. You know, I don't. I don't even remember seeing any side side stage stuff on, on night one. I don't think. I don't think we even attempted to. I don't know if we missed it or it was just we were just trying to take did cover. To, did you try to do the museum? I never made it to that. We did the museum was... night two, and I think we did okay. the museum after we were done with all the side stage stuff in night two, like right before probably Mudhoney played. That line was always nuts. I just was like, nah, yeah. I guess I'll go see Mopop in seven years. <laughs> 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 I mean, 
Yeah, I spent several hours in that museum line on day two as well. So, but I did get to go. So that was very neat. I enjoyed that. That was cool. I, I feel like I would have appreciated that pop up way more now than I did back then. I think I was just kind of looking around and I didn't really know what I was looking at too much. Steve, you were like, oh my God, this is from this. This is this. And I just didn't have like the wherewithal to be like, oh, okay, put two and two together here. But to be honest, I don't know if anybody else felt this way because I think we're all kind of in different stages of, of fandom. Um, but PJ 20, the documentary came out like two or three weeks later. Did that open anybody's eyes to like different arcs for the band and different stories that maybe hadn't been told, like maybe the relationship between Andy Wood and Chris Cornell or just Andy Wood in general, like, is there, was there anything from that, that was eye opening to you that maybe that weekend kind of sparked in your memory or some, something along those lines? I think I knew all that going in. Not to, yeah, I mean, yeah, there wasn't a huge, and most of that, uh, that PJ 20 stuff was in that, that, um, there's a bootleg 95 movie that a lot of that stuff was from too. The, that the was Vitalogy all, tour stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. And a lot of that was from that. And I was like, Oh, I've seen all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I, I did not know. Um, I did not know a lot of the stuff from the, from the PJ 20 uh, documentary, especially around uh, Chris Cornell. I, I had no idea um, how close he was to both uh, Andy and to Ed uh that had, that was all new new to me I, but i mean obviously i knew they knew each other but i didn't realize like uh how much of like a like a big brother or whatever that he you want to call it he was to um uh, you know to to the rest of the band so what? listening to temple of the dog must have been blowing your mind randy after you saw that stuff then <laughs> oh, that yeah, I, crazy. <laughs> after after that show i was like okay i need to know this shit now because i felt like i knew enough temple but i didn't like grasp it and i didn't kind of understand the weight of it I, I didn't really understand the weight of mother love bone just a little bit um but after the documentary came out and like the whole crown of thorns thing and and seeing that shot of, of Ed talking to stone and stone's eyes lighting up saying, you know, I want to play crown of thorns tonight. Like I thought that that was the greatest thing ever. And mm -hmm. I think like a week after that show was the Toronto show on the nine 11 anniversary. And they played Chloe dancer for the first time in crown of thorns. Mm -hmm. And short, shortly after that, um, they released that to either Amazon or, Google oh, music. Right. Yeah. They released the whole entire show. And that was one of the first shows that I had. That wasn't something that I, I had gone to. And I listened to that a lot and yeah, we haven't even covered that show yet, but I, there's a lot of stuff from that that I remember really, really fondly. Google play uh, apparently. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I knew, I knew it was one of those just early 2010s weird medium that nobody uses anymore. Right. That album annoys me when I'm going through Wikipedia, like next album. And I'm like, no, not that uh, one. <laughs> right. In, in between backspace or lightning bolt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, not that one. <laughs> what was everybody's reaction to Cornell? And uh, just like, and, and what rumors did everybody hear during the day? Because I think we, we had heard, just about everything. I think my thought was that we were definitely getting an Uncle Neil appearance. That like that was mm -hmm. going to be a guarantee. And it used to I, be a running. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that. Like I had heard a lot about Cornell, and and I thought Cornell was kind of like secondary to that. And I thought that you know Neil coming out would be much cooler. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Neil to me felt like a lock. But also that Toronto show that I just mentioned maybe that was kind of a makeup for Neil not showing up to BJ 20. Sure. Well, I think it was, it kind of got ruined too. Cause if um, you remember, I got there early on day one to get merchandise and all of the posters that came out, yep. um, they all had, I mean, it's, you know, uh, Ames brother had CC on it. Yeah. The, everything that was on there had either, they were trying to be clever on it, but I mean, it was so blatantly obvious. Right. Um, you know, so everything was out there that really showed it. And, and, you know, there was a lot of rumors. I mean, I got to remember the board 
bathrooms were miserable. Oh, I, I just saw Dave Grohl in the museum was another, that was a hot one. Or, um, you know, there was like everyone and their mother supposedly was going to be jumping on stage. And, you know, when you really think back to Pearl Jam 20, minus Chris Cornell being a surprise, I mean, there was so much going on. Was there really a necessity to have anything extra? I mean, if, if you think about it, if you started adding anything more to those days, it wouldn't have been about Pearl Jam anymore. It would have been right. just this hodgepodge of, of um, just too much of a mess. But, I, you know, the Chris Cornell thing, I mean, you know, there was rumors for God months about it. And I don't know what started it. I don't recall that. But I do remember, you know, the, the day of it just got. Well, first of all, besides the hoodie that was, you know, the the boot, the hoodie that I made a shit ton of money off of. Um, East Troy, Michigan. I still have two of them. Fourth and the fifth. Yeah. You do you I really? Got, I got two of them downstairs. Yeah, I got two. I got I got the right one. I got the wrong one. But the day that I found out that I got the wrong one came up, I remember I bought one because I was one of the first five people in line to get a, to get merchandise, and they put them up. And I remember talking to the girl I had gone with, which was my dad's first girlfriend from the early nineties. But I'm like, oh, I'm like, I thought we, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, I'm like, I, I know I'm not. And she's like, she goes, and she was the one who said, she goes, you should buy that. I'm like, all right. So I bought, I bought one, I bought two. And then I'm like, I hope they sell the right one. Not thinking like anything of it. And I bought everything else. And I swear to you that, and then day two, someone bought the one I had on me for my back for 400 bucks. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we just laughed at it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw, I posted uh, to Facebook, mm-hmm. I posted the picture that. that I took the two girls back to back, seeing the right one and the wrong one. I, I thought it was hilarious, but I didn't like think to even buy it. Do you remember um, the merch situation had a, uh, a a UPS truck, so you could buy the poster and then have it shipped to your house? Yeah, I, I kind of remember, remember that. that. Yeah, uh, it, my uh, the Clawson one got lost for a few tense moments, but I thought originally this is the coolest thing ever. Here, ship that thing, and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, Tanya, you were about to to chime in. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I agree with Anthony. Like, I didn't. I don't know, like, you know, people always go on about like special guests and stuff, but I think, um, I mean, I think, you know, it would have taken away from the event because I think, you know, PJ20, the documentary is going to be coming out and they were really trying to make it about them. Um, and um, just to what, what some other things I would already discussed earlier um, with the weather forecast, I think my friend said it was like, 20% or 30%. And we have a running joke that whenever we check the weather forecast for a show now, if it says 20%, it's going to rain and be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cause I, yeah. Cause I brought my rain jacket. Cause I'm the type who always like brings everything and prepares and she doesn't. And then she got soaked and <laughs> regretted it. So now she's like, okay, we always bring the rain gear no matter what. Um, but also about Chris Cornell, um, that was like my, like I saw all the, the bands on the side stage and I did the muse waited in the long line for the museum and the museum was like really, really cool. That was a big highlight. But for me, Chris Cornell, like I had only seen Chris Cornell once with Audio Slave, like back on the Lollapalooza tour, mm-hmm. I think in like 2003. Yeah, yeah, that was the only other time I'd seen Queens of the Stone Age. But um, seeing Chris Cornell like perform with Pearl Jam was like kind of like just like, it was just really magical for me. And I remember like he came out the second night. Um, didn't he do reach down both nights or something? Yes. He did, and some people are wise mm-hmm. to doing it again, but I think I had lawn the first night. And then the second night I had like seats up front. I was like 10th row. So I was like, Oh, please do it again. <laughs> I'm fine with that. And it was just, um, it was just a great feeling. Like it was just really, really cool to be there and witness that. Um, and then for me, um, PJ 20 that year, that tour um, was special for me because I had um, decided to move out to Seattle. I obviously didn't stay because I'm now back on the East coast, but I um, had um, planned a road trip um, with my sister. And so I knew I was going to Seattle, I think before PJ 20 was announced and then PJ 20 was announced. So we drove out from here to PJ 20 is like 13 hours, maybe. And then after PJ 20, I, we took like two weeks and stopped at places on our way to Seattle. So by the time we got to Seattle, Pearl Jam was ending the tour in Vancouver. So then I saw the, so I started at the beginning and then I got to see the last show in Vancouver. 
And then PJ 20 came out while I was in Seattle. So I got to see it there. So it was just like really cool the way it like kind of all accumulated in the end. But um, PJ 20, like I remember like some of the stuff they talked about, um, like I'd seen in pro- probably that 95 documentary, but I just didn't really remember all the details. And it's funny, like think, thinking about it tonight, I'm like, oh, I should go watch that again. Cause I feel like I just haven't seen it in so long. And then I remember like all the moments that make me smile, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, PJ Shani was special. It feels like such a lifetime ago, though. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think one of the oh, big Lord. points that so many people will bring up when when thinking about PJ Twenty is that those moments are kind of just kept in ten years ago, and it's been very tough to relive them without bootlegs. And you know, we we do have some vid- video evidence on on YouTube, and and it's decent stuff. It's not bad, but it, it's it's not the same because even the full show that is up there for night two is missing a couple of tracks. So you don't get that full experience, you know, the bootleg that Mm -hmm. the audience recording that's gone around, it's okay. It's, it's not, it's not too bad, but uh, I feel like if there was a bootleg that we would have gone back on, I feel like PJ 20 would have been more of a, you know, you know, when people talk about, like Moline and they talk about 10 Philadelphia and, like people, and I know these are big ones, but I feel like people talk about like the spectrum shows more than PJ yes. 20. Cause there's mm-hmm. like the bootlegs mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is it, I mean, you guys probably know more than me was, isn't it, is it true that the PJ 20 bootlegs never came out? Cause the audio is messed up or something. That's what somebody told me. Uh, yeah. You know what? Honestly, like, we were speculating. Somebody told me. So I interviewed when I did Stranger's Tribe, we had that um, Josh. Oh, God, it's going to kill me now. The, it was the original guy that used to work on the video crew for Pearl Jam oh, um, okay. when they started doing the screens back in 2008. Oh, cool. And his story that he had given at that time was is that they were recording the entire thing. Because if you remember the side stages from night one and night two, they had the stage. Video they had, yeah. they yes. had the, yes. the pit. And then they had video crews even recording the set, even the the side stages. Because I remember clearly when on day one, when Joseph Arthur came out and they had Mike McCready, Jeff Ament, Matt Cameron on stage with Joseph Arthur, Mm -hmm. um, they had three camera crews up there. And then when Glenn Hansard came out and Eddie sang with Glenn Hansard, they had more cameras out for that. So they were recording a lot of moments. What he said was, is that they had nothing but issues trying to get waivers signed from every single artist that was a part of it. And the problem, the problem with it was, is, um, is that even if they removed the first stage, they had some of those people that were on some songs that it just caused issue. And then there was like licensing, right? Because of so many cover songs that it was going to cost more money than they would have seen in return. But he had said at the time, and now this was two years ago when we did the interview, that they were trying to put something together, um, you know, for later down the road. I just don't know what's true or not. This is just coming from him. But from him, from my understanding, there is 100% video and audio out there that was 100% edited that was supposed to be some sort of box set or something like that that was supposed to be sold, but just went to the wayside because they couldn't afford all the licensing that would have went through from all the artists that were involved. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that, wow. that was my guess oh. on the episode that we talked about. Yeah. 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 yeah that, I heard that something similar. Sense. It's it's weird because you would think that all the artists that would be involved in that weekend would be just delighted to just sign on the dotted line and be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Use. Well, it's labels and it's large. Publishing it's, company. Yeah. Right. Of yeah. course. Yeah. 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 I would have thought they would have had to sign that stuff before, kind of like before participating, like signing something saying, hey, we're going to record this. You may be on bootlegs or whatever and, you know, something like that ahead of time. But I guess uh, who knows? That's now, I'm not in the record yeah. industry. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm, I'm actually, you know, you bring this up and, and if that's the issue for PJ 20, then what was the circumstance surrounding the London, Ontario and the Wrigley show from 2013? Is that known? No, I the only one I know about also was because I'd asked them because he filmed it as well was the Made in America Festival. Okay, and and the one uh, what was the one in Atlanta? Um, Is the one in town? Yes. The reason yeah. they couldn't use that was because the festivals wouldn't give them the rights to allow them to use it. See, I I seem to remember for Made in America especially that there was an HBO documentary that came out 
that was about it. And they used Pearl Jam clips in it. So I think I, I would assume that that was the reason why they couldn't use any of the stuff themselves. Hmm. So, uh, okay. Well that kind of answers some kind of question, but it's still on the hunt for the Wrigley thing. Um, yeah. I, I guess like night one kind of going back to that, like it wasn't necessarily a full show because everything got pushed back to the, due to the rain. Did anybody feel after night one that like, okay, night two is just going to be completely epic. And night one had its moments where it's like, Whoa, this, this, they're playing this, they're playing this. They've never played this before and they're playing it. But did anybody get this sense of like night two could be so much more? So you had said that you didn't watch the side stage stuff. Is that correct, Randy? Not on night one. Okay. Day so two, did. for me, for me personally, like, and I was second row mic side for night one and I had fucking Dennis Rodman stand in front of me yeah. um, four songs in. <laughs> if th- there's a picture online yeah. where they're looking, um, there's someone, there's a person um, that's why I'm not sharing the photo, but there's a person online that has it. It's a picture of her and this guy and there's Dennis Rodman. And then there's me like poking my fucking head around um, <laughs> because he just, he just stumbles his ass down and he, he just stands. And I, he, Oh God, he was gonzo. And <laughs> I remember like sec- so the, secu- the security guard. Yeah. Dennis Rodman. Hammered uh, the security guard was like, dude, he's like, go back to your seat. And he was doing his damnedest to try to get the attention of the band. And the band was trying their best to like ignore it because like, he was just trying <laughs> yes, to grab so much attention. Yes. But <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. But I'm going to tell you, dude, like there was something I felt like the artist from day one, like um, the new number two. I thought Glenn Hansard was really good. Joseph Arthur set was kind of weird. And I don't know if anyone watched it, but afterwards he tr- he went to a tent to try to sell the artwork he was painting on stage. And yes. nobody had, nobody could give two shits about it. Cause he was, wow. I, I'll never forget. Like he asked like $2,000 for painting. And by the end of the night, you could have bought it for 150 bucks. Like it just kept going down and down and down. Um, and like Liam set Liam, Liam Finn was amazing. And he ended the set with lead balloon and he just went off on a tangent. And then John Doe played and then like, you know, and then everyone kind of scattered on down to, for the main set and like mud honey killed and Queens of Stone Age ended up playing. I, I think I lost my headache which was amazing. And then, you know, and then of course, um, you know, Eddie comes out and plays, uh, what's it called with little on little sister with a damn cowbell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the strokes came out and then Eddie comes out again and he plays on juice Juice box. Yeah. That's right. And And Josh, how played on New York city cops, I believe. Was that night two? That was night two. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was day two. I think Eddie was on little sister on day two as well. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So, Sorry but for and her. for the most part, the Strokes, Queens of Stone Age, and Money sets were pretty much eerily similar on day one and day two. Like they were, mm-hmm. you, they were like yeah. almost carbon copies. I would but say I mean, it was still, it was it was still amazing. But like, you know, I still look at like I'm looking at the set list for Pearl Jam for the night, and like I still think like I think Tanya knocked it on the head, and I think this is why it's not as important to many people as like the the Spectrum shows or even hell like Moline or because we don't have anything to really go back on and like, and, and to relive it again, because right. I think we live in a time where we're so spoiled with like yeah. bootlegs and video visualizations that like not having it, mm-hmm. we're like, ah, fuck it. It is what it is. We're not going to think about it anymore. Cause I'm looking at this and I'm like, damn, that that's a pretty stellar set list right there. You have to think like some of the songs in the moonlight, they've only played four times. So really in reality, we have three versions of in the moonlight and if that would have been released, it pro- and I think it was released on the PJ uh, uh, on the Christmas single, right? Wasn't that part of one of the Christmas singles? Yes. And yeah. the, what was the other one? Was the other one like all night or something from night two? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there we at least had something, but it's it still like even if it's standalone, even if it's the Christmas singles, it doesn't really quite connect there. There you go. It doesn't really <laughs> quite connect if it's not in the bootleg. Cause you, you have to think how many bootlegs do people have with help, help in it? How many bootlegs do people have with education in it on and on and on, even setting forth at the time was, was debuting live. I know it's not really special to get anymore, but 
you know, in 2011, you would think that, okay, cool. They, they played an Eddie solo song, but sure. Let's, let's go buy this boot. But yeah, none, none of that, that, that is strange, but also what's weird from the weekend and going through some of the stuff, there was a lot of songs that you would probably expect them to play that they never even touched like a corduroy or an animal or a hell, hell go like all these songs weren't played. And, you know, obviously it's, 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 it's a little bit different because it's, it's kind of a weekend to celebrate the whole entire catalog when you're getting no way in an encore, you know, you, you can probably kiss some of those songs goodbye, but did anybody feel like, Hey, we didn't get those kind of, especially from night one, because night one was just so all over the place, like second song in arms aloft. That, that's, you know, very, very random. Did anybody feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. I was really thrown off by arms aloft as the second song I, on the first night. Cause I did, I wasn't that familiar with the song at the, especially at the time. I still only know it, you know, I've only listened to it a few times and everything, but I just, it like kind of took me out of it right away. And, it, you know, I mean, as you mentioned in the show yesterday's episode, the full episode or whatever, um, you, I remember you said it's kind of the same thing. It just kind of felt very, you expected like a corduroy or a give it a fly or a go or something right after that. And it was just kind of odd uh, to have something like, a, not only was it a cover, but it was a cover that they don't do very often. Like, you know, had they done something like, not that they would do like Rockin' in the Free World or Bob O'Reilly that early, but just something that's like they're known for, at least that kind of still would have felt it would have been odd, but it would have felt more normal. But this one, they kind of pulled out of left field. And so it really kind of took me aback. And it was kind of weird to, um, you know, going forward. And then as far as the rest of the set list goes, said so like it was really cool, like on paper with a lot of uh, a lot of rare songs. But but as you mentioned, you guys mentioned in the episode is it's like it did have it's like ups and downs. It didn't have a normal flow of a normal show because right. of the fact that there was all sorts of weird random. And and um, and I was happy to see all a bunch of stuff I had never seen before and rare songs. But but you need to package it all in together with the even flows and the given the flies. Right. Like, right. That's, yeah. That makes it more special. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like hearing them in between the big hits is what makes them cool. A mm-hmm. show of all rarities is kind of it's fun and it's neat and it's good for the collectors. But it's uh, um but it doesn't lend itself towards like a great energy and flow. Um, I mean, I still had a great time, but. Well, when I think, when I think about the, I I do too, I'm all about it. I'm a collector at heart. And when you think about like the other rarity shows that they've done, like Vic theater, if you listen to Vic theater full, it's a real, it's a show that flows really, really well. You don't miss the, the hit songs. Like you don't really get, a hit until they close with why go i don't think right. so but the whole way through you're listening to songs like parachutes and all or none and in hiding mm-hmm. and like and undone oh, this, undone yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, See, the uh, it's a, a fantastic flowing show i actually think this this festival was a shit ton of work for them and i actually think like uh that's why they haven't done anything similar like that and i think like that I honestly think like they were tired at the end of that day. Like I like yes. they're control freaks, like for to to like a good level of control freaks. And to put on that thing, I think was like an uh, huge undertaking that they just were like, oh. And I just point. think that's why we haven't done it had, had anything like that again. Right. One but, of like, the things- I think and I also think like uh sorry, but like they knew the audience there. Like we knew words in the moonlight. I was yeah. like, this is for us. Like, I loved it. <laughs> I, I think one Alan of the- Curtis said he almost lost all his hair. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one of the things that I don't think we brought up in the episode, but it was on the table to talk about was that Jeff was apparently like not all for this show. And I, that, that was something I, I didn't have any information. I didn't know about. Uh, John, John can speak to that a little bit more. I, I think never heard you, that. You, you brought that up. Yeah. They're, they were, they were talking about the anniversaries and he was like, yeah, you know, I remember PJ 20. I just, he just like, I just wasn't into it. I want to be looking forward. I want to be moving forward. I, he like, I didn't really think it was a good idea. Hmm. That makes sense. The, the sense from the stage and especially some of Ed's speeches, especially night one. And I haven't really dipped into night two just, I, I have, but you know, not 
really paying attention, you know, and taking notes. Uh, but like night one, it, it felt like Ed had to apologize for a lot of things. It felt like the rain was more of a hassle than it should have been. Like, you know, it took a long time for us to get here and now it's going to take longer. And, you know, I, I don't know if you guys heard the reference that I made, but like it was kind of more like night one was 90s Pearl Jam, how you have this great, big, beautiful thing and you can't appreciate it because all these negative things are, are finding their ways in and circulating around. And it's not this perfect spear that you think it is outside. But then night two was much more like, okay, they have found their way. It was kind of, you know, things have come together and it was kind of like post riot act and avocado where things were positive and happy again. And, you know, it had, I, I, I feel like night two, just had that vibe to it the whole entire day that everybody was just in a really, really good mood. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got, you get the practice show out of the way. Sure. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I just putting on that festival must just be like a ton of work. Uh, Awful. And, and the fact that they hadn't played a show in over a year either. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they come out and a couple of those songs are pretty rocky that they hadn't played in almost years. Like who you are, they never play. And in my tree, they don't play too much. Right. Like a couple of those songs that are just a little, they're a little off. And I'm wondering through Ed, if he's thinking like, fuck, you know, we're off to this a little bit of a bad start. Like, how do we kind of put the wheels in motion here and make people happy? They're going to make people happy no matter what. It's more of the what than the, than the how, but you know, uh, it, it, it just felt like it took some time for them to find their wheelhouse. But night two, you know, pretty much from the jump felt like it was a pretty energetic show and felt like everybody was in a much better mood. Everybody knew that they were going to go longer. They were going to play more songs, uh, that it was going to be more Pearl Jam centric that, you know, Although we were probably going to get Chris Cornell again or somebody else, uh, I, I thought the night two was going to be Neil's night, but uh, you know it ended up being another Chris set, which is just—I don't know how anybody else feels about that. But like a, a second night of Chris was, uh, you know, I, we, that, we that was, had one night. That that was how I felt until I saw that PJ twenty documentary. You know? Right. You know, having seen that, I'm like I, I'm glad he was there. I was, I'm glad he was there for both nights. I feel like he's uh, he was close enough to being part of the band that having him there was was enough, you know, or, or was a good thing for me. Yeah, I was I was glad they played some different songs with Chris too. I know they played a couple of them twice. They reached down and Hunger Strike both nights, but they mm-hmm. did other different songs, so that made it cool. And I always feel like like they're aware that some people can only go to one night and not everybody was able to go to the whole weekend. And I feel yeah. like they wanted to make sure everybody who was at the festival got to see Chris Cornell. And if, you know, if they can only go to one night or not. So that, um, I don't know that they did that, but that's kind of what I feel like. They kind of wanted to make sure everybody got a chance. 86% of ticket sales were sold for both days. Did you know that? No. I didn't know that, but oh, that, that doesn't that. surprise me at all. No, eighty six percent. It was it was it was, a, it was extremely high number. <laughs> yeah. If you're going all the way out to East Troy, you might as well make a weekend of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> what else is there? And uh, reach down to me is the uh, Temple of the Dog Even Flow. That's uh, Mike's uh, oh, yeah. showing off yeah, song. Absolutely. So you got to play that twice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And call call me a dog and all night thing were the other two that yeah. they played. And oh the. The documentary when they talk, when Chris talks about that too, like it's a nine minute solo and like watch out for that guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else from night? What else from night two is is uh, is worth bringing up here? Um, when I was on the grass, I don't know if anyone was on the grass night two. There was the idiots. Yeah. Uh, they had someone was burning those like Chinese. Oh my god! Candles. I thought I was gonna die. Yes, and I remember <laughs> Paul, I saw yes. I Paul, and we're on the grass, and I remember seeing all these candles, and all of them are going in the air, and they're all like talking because I guess someone had passed away that was a Pearl Jam fan, and they're doing an honor of them. Who cares? Well, like, reason I thought we were gonna die. 
two of them go under like, the damn woodshed. Yes, I yes. I remember the guy. The guy. I'll never. It was like yes. The guy goes. Goes. Shit. What are we gonna do? What are we? And he just kept saying. It was the young. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And he's like waiting, and no one's messaging. And he's like, and he's just starts running, just running up the hill. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck are we? Like, are we supposed yes. to be running too? Like, I don't know what to do. Oh. But I just remember these. These, and then and then a gust of wind came out of nowhere and blew mm-hmm, the two from mm-hmm, underneath mm-hmm, up and out. Mm-hmm. But, but you were two minutes away from potentially being the biggest disaster yeah, at, oh, at a concert. God. That's like Woodstock 99 level right there. <laughs> oh, it was nuts. I mean, you could stay with the same band. Like <laughs> that, that, I was, that was so scary. I remember watching that thing going, oh, Jesus Christ, what the hell is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so, uh, I, that was new to me. Do I, I don't know if you guys that. were were you well I will tell you I was I, I kind of Woodstock 99 on the way out. So as we're leaving night two, they had all the Pearl Jam 20 banners. Do you remember those? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I t- yeah, I totally yeah, jumped up so and ripped two down and took them with <laughs> I knew me. Someone did smart. <laughs> yeah, My I wife one down, me. I have one downstairs and I sold one a couple years ago for a ton of money. Who got the wow. uh, the ten club uh, playing card looking logos? Uh, mm-hmm. They were back there. I know oh, people yeah. got those. Well, that was well. I didn't. So I didn't get those. I got the one where it was like it's like the it's got the lines. It's got the circle and it's like a P and a J. But it's like the mm-hmm. oh right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that shirt. Yeah, let me mm-hmm. let me see it. Uh, I don't feel like digging in my phone right. Now. I was. I, I know I have that picture somewhere, but I know exactly what what you're talking about. And yeah, that that was a. Uh, that was an interesting um, artwork that they did with with mm-hmm. that PJ with the circle and the semicircle thing. That was uh, I don't think a lot of people really took to that too well. I, don't think so. I, I always like thought about getting it as a tattoo, but yeah, yeah, I, I I was always okay with it, but I thought people were a little like down on it. But small thing, um, yeah. Night, night day two, just I don't know, watching the. Uh, the guy spray paint the billboards. Did you guys watch that mm-hmm. the whole Absolutely. entire day yeah. and, and just see how it kind of came together from what, like one in the afternoon and, and right before they went on, they finished up like that was so cool. That was, I totally missed that, but that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what they were able I, to, I remember seeing him start. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just remember seeing him start at the beginning, but then because of the second day, that was, I didn't see any of the side stages on the first night. So I checked out some of them on the second day and I, that was the day I did the museum. And so I didn't like get to see, I just basically saw the beginning of him, the billboard. And then I saw the end product at the end of the night and it was very cool. Yeah. I thought Pearl Jam did an excellent job incorporating these artists in general, just even having the art show inside with you know um emic and hampton and rogers and meth and ames and having all of them have their own because there was if you know i brought home 12 posters from that show that were uniquely created just because Uh, of the event from each artist because each artist did uh something like you know you know hampton did the uh, i'm sorry uh rogers no no who the fuck was it jermaine rogers did the eddie face with the peace sign on the side of his face for that that was unique for that show Hampton had, um, you know, the glow in the dark version of the Pearl Jam 20 of them sitting on the thing, uh, sitting at the table. So that did it. Ames did. Um, they had another version. It was a different color variation of uh, one of the posters. I didn't, I wasn't able to get that. But then they had like small oh, the different basketball prints. player, right? Correct. Yeah, I kind of remember that one. And, and then, then Brian Meth Go for the it. wave face. There was like a playing card one or like an eagle, right? Oh, I don't know. Those, Am those, I missing those, one? Those posters are very expensive now. <laughs> uh, hold on. I'm like an to eagle check it or out. something. There's an eagle somewhere. Or a, it looks like a like a playing card eagle kind of thing, if I remember. I, I just remember by the time that we got to night tonight one, all of the regular posters were gone. And then night two. I think I had waited online and saw the um, not the poster that you have, Nick, but the red one with oh the coffin, yeah, the, 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 the red one, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I bought that, but I don't know if I like didn't like it or because at the time I was just like oh, I want all my posters to be in like 
Yeah, like, it's huge. It, it's it is, massive, yeah. and you can't find. You can't just go to Michael's yeah, and, and just find a cheapo uh-huh. frame for it, which uh-huh. I wanted. All of my uh, That's why posters. it's not framed, <laughs> right? So I, I so at some point I saw that they were selling more posters, and I saw the um, uh, what art? What artist was it that did the uh, the Neil and Peggy? Uh, uh, that was Hampton. Okay. Yeah. So I saw that being sold and I bought that, but that one behind you, Nick, that's obviously the best one, but I never saw it get sold. It must've sold out before I got even up to, to, to buy it. Night one. They, that was the problem they had with the merch is they sold out. They had everything on the table for night one for everything on day one. And they sold out too much. And halfway through the day, they started pulling things off and stopping it. Because they just, they, I mean, like, even if you remember, because this was the days, like, I mean, 2011 smartphones were still new, but they were still very popular. Yeah. And that's why eBay got hit real hard because people were started realizing that people were Ooh. flipping posters pretty quickly mm-hmm. and people were going up and just buying them over and over again. Um, so, yeah, so that one, that one was sold out pretty quickly. I remember there was a lot of, Hampton was pretty easy to get. And I remember the Clawson one was, was a little bit pretty, was that one was the next one to sell pretty quickly, but the Hampton one. I remember even on night two, as you were walking out, you still could have gotten the Hampton one. Hmm. I have no recollection of it being hard at all. And I like I woof, there are some horror stories back in the day, like those 08 shows. Woof. But like this, I remember like not having a problem at all. And I got there late the first night. So I have wow. no idea. The Clawson one. Was that only a night two one? Because that actually has Cornell's name on it. I think so. Okay. I thought so. I don't, I mean, you guys, someone else might have more information, but I thought, I thought the one that's in the background behind Nick was the night one, like specifically <laughs> night one. Right. And then the other one was the specifically night two. And then they had other ones for the whole weekend right. to my memory. But I, again, I could be wrong on that. So. Right. I don't recall. The only Which, other piece of merch besides the posters that I got, I got the one PJ 20 shirt with, uh, I guess it was all the tornado. No, what's yeah. that one? Well, I got not that the Bucks one. or the Packers. <laughs> no, 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 no. Couldn't um, get the Packers one. <laughs> oh, the pa- yeah, the Packers one sold out like immediately. Oh. No, it was just a regular black, black and white PJ twenty, and like uh, I think the the zero had a red dot in it or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's pretty. It's pretty common shirt. The tour one. If it was it for the what? whole tour, just yeah. I think it has yeah, the Canadian yeah. dates on the back. Yeah. It does. Was there a Brewer shirt? Because I remember I got there late on day one. And me being a Brewer fan my whole life, I saw someone walk past with like the PJ logo and a, or the P, a PJ and a Brewer's logo. And I was like, I didn't see it. And I couldn't find it the whole, you know, the next day either on day two. But uh, you guys said Bucks and Packers. So I didn't know if there was a Brewer one or maybe someone just made their own. No, no, there was I'm a not, Brewers one. I'm ninety. Was, was, from that, was it from that day or was it from the the Milwaukee 2014 show? No, that was that day. I'm and okay. at Alpine. Okay, yeah, it was it was simple where it was like almost like the big. Packers one. Yeah, I was just <laughs> upset there wasn't a, but I got there late <laughs> on day one. So, what size yeah. shirt do you wear? Extra large. I might actually have one. Message me. And okay. if, I, if I have it, because I'm never going to wear it, I'll send it to you. Okay. Ten years later. Okay. A decade okay. later. <laughs> nice. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any of those uh, Global Citizens Mets shirts there, Anthony? Because I can sure use one of those. <laughs> um, I actually check, do. I'll, I'll have to check really? you too, Randy. <laughs> yeah, dead serious. I, I got one that, right. I that I I'll, don't wear too. I'll check. I'll take that. I, yeah, yeah. I'll, check. I'll take that off. Whoever. whoever. Yeah, that, that would be great. That's That's awesome. <laughs> And actually, think we were going to hawk merch on this. Uh, yeah. also, get together also here, not, but also not a fun merch experience. <laughs> even though I worked a block from that store. <laughs> Anybody else got have anything? Uh, just about a, go for it. Yeah, please. Share. I have a weird. Um, so day two, um, once the main stage, and I don't remember who was playing. I just see a dude walk over with a lady, sits down two rows in front of me. I was like 15 rows up maybe. And I'm sitting there all the time looking. I'm like, holy crap, that's Liam Finn sitting in front of me. So I tell my wife, I'm like, oh, she was the one playing, you know, because my wife had no clue who he was. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, do I just let him be? Sure enough, some other dude walks up. All he does is say hi. Liam Finn bolts out of there. 
No way. Please. I'm like, well, thank God it wasn't me the one who like, <laughs> forced him out. But I was sitting there like, I should go say hi. What's the difference? He just sat down in front of me. Like, but sure enough, one guy walks over and like says, oh, you know, and he bolted. Wow. Like, I think two seconds later, gone. Hmm. <laughs> He looks really small to me. I don't know if he actually he, is. Well, I'm a, he's about my size. I'm You're an extra large. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just looks really no, I'm actually like a whirling, a whirling dervish when he's playing. That's yeah. just, I think, where I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of like hair and. I compared yeah. him to like, <laughs> if, if Zach Galifianakis had a drum kit, yes. that's what it would be. Yes. <laughs> it's, he looks exactly like that. Yeah arms and oh beard. yeah <laughs> just flailing all over the place he was he was fun to watch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is new number two still together does anybody know that because I, I thought i saw danny harrison tweet something the other day and i thought i went to his profile and saw it didn't say new number two anywhere i don't think they've i don't think if they are together they haven't toured since 2014 yeah mm. Whew, i yeah, googled joseph arthur Whew. Yeah, 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 don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. Oh. don't. That's like oh. that's like Googling the uh, with the Sasquatch is real. I mean, that, that's a whole. <laughs> and Oof. so I might just cut this out of the app, but, but Steve, <laughs> um, we have right. a friend that what's Suzette's relation to Joe Arthur? Her her partner is her tour manager. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I texted with Sabelle a little bit and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, yeah, they have to clean up that whole mess. I, I have I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Just Randy, can I before I get off, can I just can I do the rundown of this? Because I, I think Please. I got this down really well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So this is me. I have I've talked about this so much. I can do this really quickly. Six <laughs> months ago, six months ago, uh, Joseph Arthur puts online um, that he's sick and tired of being stuck in his house and he's sick and he's sick and tired of the fake <laughs> disease. Oh, then God. he then he starts posting these blogs about him and his wife and how um, they're she's pregnant. And then during this time, he starts posting these anti-vaccination posts, um, anti like, um, you know, these sides like anti like pop political. And then he starts going on these rants about how the uh, COVID's fake, how um, vac- the vaccination is like a disease and it's infecting us and all the people going into it. So three months ago, uh, Richard Suverud goes on Facebook and basically blasts him. Tell, basically says, he doesn't call him out directly, but says, musicians that don't believe in vaccinations are fucking losers. And that's a quote. Joseph Arthur goes on that post, goes back and forth with Richard Suverud. They go back and forth for about an hour. Richard Suverud deletes the post. Um, and then uh, it was Time Magazine or Life Magazine or so, one of those things does this article on uh, Joseph Arthur, and he goes on a rant about how the government shouldn't control our body, how COVID's fake, how all these things and how everything's wrong, everything wrong. He calls out Jeff Ament in the article saying that um, these people that are believing that they are bigger than music themselves are idiots. And all this stuff. And then they had to delete the article because of management, which I think has what Randy was talking about. He then does a video interview where he talks to people and basically calls out the press, calls out the government and calls out the doctors putting out the vaccination for poisoning the youth of America. He had all 14 of his shows for the East Coast canceled minus one show, which was in Vienna, Virginia. He went to the show and only 20 people showed up out of a thousand person venue. He has now canceled the rest of his What'd say? It's like a coffee house too. Yeah, it's like not. They yeah. can't, it's a cool venue, but it's it's a, it's a coffee house. Yeah, because I've I've been there before. I've, mm-hmm. I don't live too far from there, so it's oh, just nice. it's yeah. So it's it's well, I mean an hour, but I mean it's so crazy. <laughs> but you know, but anyway, so th- this this is absolutely so all this craziness happens, and basically his re- his management, if you go to his webpage, is gone. His record label has he's removed from a record label. He's lost all publications as of today. Um, his like his his revenue is done. So Joseph Arthur basically fucked his own career. Right. He went Nazi too. I thought too. Like he he did the whole Nazi comparison too. I thought. Oh, or am I making that? that up? I don't know. I, don't know. Well, I, I mean, it up. comes with the territory. Well, <laughs> right. when uh, <laughs> one, once somebody yeah. insults <laughs> vaccines and say vaccines are horrible, then everybody, of course, is in Auschwitz. So, 
Sure. Yeah, because because the I guess I'm glad so I saw RN. I'm glad I saw random or yeah. RNDM when I did because I don't think they'll be touring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. No, not happening. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that I, sounds like I actually mental, saw them in like, Milwaukee. They were great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw them in Chicago a couple years ago. <laughs> So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, a special thanks goes out to everybody that joined us on this forum, including Steve Maytan, Bradley Piasecki, Anthony from Touring Fan, Ryan Frankie, Nick Smith. Uh, there were a lot of people. Danny King was in for a little bit. Tanya Kang was in for a little bit. Uh, Shannon McGooey was there. Tom Gregory, I believe, was there. If I'm missing anybody's name, I'm not trying to offend you. It just means I don't have it all here. It's, <laughs> it is it is a long day as, as as it is, but a big thank you goes to everybody that uh, definitely contributed to this. And uh, later this week, we will have PJ 20 night two as a full episode. We'll talk about some of the experiences and we'll kind of expand on them and we'll get into the set list, everything good. And that'll kind of cap off our little PJ 20 run that we've had for the last couple weeks. So again, Thanks for everybody for tuning in. And if you want more content, head over to liveonfourlegs.com and check out the Concertpedia and check out our recent blogs. Or if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. Follow us on any of our social media pages on Twitter, the Pearl Jam Podcast Community Group on Facebook. If you want to get in touch with us through email, live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. We are very accessible, and if anybody wants to get in touch, you know how to get a hold of us, so please do. Looking forward to hearing from you, and uh, all I'll say is that's it for this one. We'll see you later this week. This may be the end. We're here, not for much longer, and although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. miss you always. Once again, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks everybody for participating. We'll see you on Wednesday.